Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Well, good evening everyone. My name is Isabel and I'm going to open up God's word for us. Tonight's reading is from Luke chapter 1 verse 57 to 80. So that's Luke chapter 1, verse 57 through to 80. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. I wonder how you approach Christmas trees at your house. Real or fake? Tinsel? Yes or no? Lights? Do you like the cold white lights, the warm white lights? Do you like coloured lights or are you a no lights tree kind of person? 
What about on top? Do you have a star or an angel or something else? How about other ornaments? I grew up in a, a more traditional household of baubles only, but Emily's family were much more adventurous, which means our family is much more adventurous. Over here, we have sort of a, a savannah thing going on with zebra, giraffe, elephant, lion, a tiger down below. And it's fun. It's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. But with each passing year, I feel like it's getting more and more random. And this year, this year, I mean, what's this guy doing here? What on earth is Asu Jisu doing on my Christmas tree? What's this guy doing here? And as we read Luke 1, we might consider a similar question. What's this guy doing here? As we read this biography of Jesus, the, the origin story of Jesus in Luke 1, why does the birth of John the Baptist feature so prominently? How has John's origin story become so enmeshed with Jesus' origin story? Why is this guy so important? What's this guy doing here? As we've been looking at Luke 1 over the past couple of weeks, I've been considering these questions. I've been tempted to think, if I'm honest, that if Luke had never mentioned John, we'd be number four or four. But as I've dug deeper into the text, I've come to the conclusion that John's story in chapter 1 is essential. Essential not just for the people of Judah 2,000 years ago who were so amazed by it, but essential for us too. Two weeks ago, we looked at the beginning of Luke 1. An older priest, Zechariah, was informed by the angel Gabriel that his wife, Elizabeth, would at last have a baby. And they were to name him John. Zechariah expressed doubt that this could be possible. Surely they were now too old. And in response, he was struck dumb, unable to speak until all that Gabriel had promised took place. Last week, our story shifted to Elizabeth's cousin, Mary, when Gabriel visited her to inform her that she would give birth to a son and name him Jesus. That's when it feels like the story is really taking off. On to the Jesus story, finally. But now here again, the story shifts back to the other promised child. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared in her joy. On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he used to be called John. Elizabeth's exclamation confuses friends and family because no one else in the family has that name. It's going a bit against custom. Now remember, since Gabriel's visit to Zechariah nine months ago, Zechariah has been unable to speak. But those gathered made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name his child. Zechariah asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote down his name is John. John. Yohanan. Meaning, Yahweh is gracious. His name is John. 
Immediately, Zechariah's mouth was open and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. I mean, how could they not? John's birth story has included an alleged angel proclamation, a father turned of news, a mother too old, a father now able to speak, and a name that reminds everyone that their God is a gracious God. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. What then is this child going to be? Why is John so significant? Why is his origin story so intertwined with the origin story of Jesus? What's this guy doing here? We could look ahead to see what John does as an adult, but his father gives us an answer at the end of our passage. To conclude this miracle story, Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, breaks into song. He sings praises to God and he sings prophecy about his son. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Zechariah is anticipating God redeeming, rescuing his people. He sings about how God is going to save them. He sings about how God remembers his promises to their ancestors to always be their God who loves them and blesses them. He sings about how God sets his people free to be holy and righteous and able to serve him. And somehow his son John is connected to it all. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. Notice three things about how Zechariah describes his son. First, notice that John will be called a prophet. Within 30 years, John was going to be famous across Israel as he called people back to God. As a prophet, he wouldn't hold back from confronting people with hard truths, whether or not they wanted to hear them, even though it resulted with him being thrown in prison and eventually beheaded. Second, notice that John would give people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. John was going to teach people that God is merciful. He wasn't just going to tell people they were sinners, broken, messed up, hurting each other, hurting themselves, hurting God. No, he'd also teach them God wants to forgive. That he wants to wash people clean and give them a fresh start again and again and again. That's why John baptized people. He washed people on the outside as a sign of what God could do inside for people's hearts. He could wash us free of our guilt and shame. Third, notice that John would go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Now we see what John is doing here. Now we see how he fits into the Christmas story. John is going to go before the Lord. He's going to go before the Lord Jesus. He's going to be like a a herald, shouting out so that people would actually be ready when Jesus arrives. He's a herald, a prophet. He's the primer that goes down first. No, you know what he is. 
He speaks truth whether or not people want to hear it. He helps people get ready. John is an alarm clock. You've got an important event tomorrow morning and you can't afford to miss it. So what do you do before you go to bed? You set an alarm. If you want to be ready, you set an alarm. And that's what John the Baptist is. He's an alarm clock. God doesn't want people to miss Jesus. He wants them to be ready. So in his mercy, he gives them an alarm clock. He gives them John. Yahweh is gracious. He gives them John. He gives them an alarm clock to wake them up so that when Jesus shows up, they won't miss out. He's an alarm clock that doesn't pierce our consciousness with a high-pitched ring, but with a question. Are you ready for Jesus? Are you ready for Jesus? Are you a one-alarm-and-you're-up kind of a person? Maybe you have to set a whole bunch of alarms like me. Maybe you use the snooze function. Now, it sounds like a great idea, right? The snooze button is so addictive, so tantalizing. But it's a dangerous game to play. How many times can you hit snooze before it's too late? When it comes to spiritual things, a lot of Australians are quick to snooze. I mean, many haven't rejected God outright. They aren't opposed to spiritual things. They have no real grudge against Jesus. They've just been hitting snooze. And I wonder if maybe that scenario describes you too. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you've just been putting Jesus off lately. Your relationship with him feels a little distant, maybe a little stale. Maybe there's parts of your life you're, you're keeping from him. Because you know it will take some attention, some energy, some reflection, some giving things up, some heart renovation. So you've been hitting snooze. I'll, I'll get to that later. I'll get to Jesus later. And maybe you will. But while you're hitting snooze, while you're ignoring the alarm, you're missing the gift that Jesus wants to give you right now. You're missing out on the peace he has for you. The reassurance he has for you. The hope he has for you. The joy he has for you. Right now. Why would we want to snooze through that? Or maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe in the past it's just sounded a bit complicated, a bit inconvenient, or just a bit non-essential. But he's offering you his forgiveness right now. He's offering you a fresh start right now. John's question, are you ready for Jesus? 
That question still cries out across the centuries. The alarm is ringing right now and you have three options. You can wake up and start giving Jesus serious thought. You can turn off the alarm altogether and just go back to sleep. Or you can hit snooze again. But remember, ignoring the alarm is a dangerous game. We don't know when we'll have left it too late. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatt's.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.